Hello everyone, welcome back to the Venture 12 podcast, episode number six. Uh, joined as ever by Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing... Uh, not sure. <laughs> <laughs> We've just had this conversation that I'm not very good at explaining how I'm actually doing. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to... Uh, yeah, I don't want to kind of be a drama queen or anything, but I'm, I'm okay, I think. I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just very wary of the last podcast. Like, uh, it became a lot about me. And uh, obviously, I had quite a lot of issues going on. Burnt hand, busted back, had COVID. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was really moved. Like, you know, some of the fans like of the podcast writing in just to, you know, just to show their sympathy, which really really touched me yeah uh, so yeah big big shout out to the fans <laughs> <laughs> who showed sympathy to me uh, but you're not sure how you're doing is that is that where you're at well we, we had this conversation just before going online that yeah. uh, for those who, who there might be some of the, the the fans is that what we're calling them now or listeners? listeners i think is yeah. more appropriate at yeah. the moment yeah you're right you're right i'd be a bit far to say the fans um but uh, uh yeah i was saying that for those of you aware of the Enneagram, I'm a number seven, and uh, the number seven, one of the uh, kind of characteristics, they're, they're detached from the internal pain that they experience. So they're not very good at actually telling you how they actually are. Yeah. Uh, and actually, even if you asked me how I was, it would take me a while to figure out how mm. I actually am. Well, uh, your um, your go-to answer is fine, isn't it? I think a lot of people's go-to answer is fine. Yeah. But I actually think I'm fine. Yeah. And yeah. That, you're not doing it to mask something. No. That's just how you actually think you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is probably even worse because I'm actually totally disconnected <laughs> from actually how I'm doing. Uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway. Well, Mark's fine. I think. But, yeah. yeah, no, I'm a lot better. Let's just say that. Or was yeah. that the, the uh, in the last podcast I was explaining that I did my back in quite badly. Yeah. And you, you were sitting there with a bandage, weren't you? In a bad hand. Yeah, burnt my hand. But, but it's all good now. Looks, looks yeah. good. Good. So, are you, how are you doing, Chris? I'm good. I think at the time of the last podcast, which if you haven't listened to, stop this one and go and listen to it. It's a really, really good interview with Dave Ferguson on an apprenticeship called Hero Making. Um, but yeah, at, at that time, I think I was just uh, about to start my parental leave. That's right. I was explaining that in Sweden, you know, there's this great system. Um, so I'm about to take six months and we're kind of three, four weeks into that. And I'm, I'm loving it. I was a bit nervous, I have to say, in, in the beginning, just kind of moving from the busy life of working and being really active in church leadership and meeting people and being out the house every day to kind of being home, particularly in COVID times where there's not really many places to go. In Sweden, it's been minus 10 degrees here for the last three or four weeks. So really kind of been homebound, um, but I'm loving it. I'm just loving being home with my son, who's uh, yeah just over one year old. Um, so he's a really fun age to be in. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. Ah, that's good. That's good. So uh, we better get on to what we're... <laughs> What we're looking at today, yeah. um, and uh, we've got a guest. I don't know our guest, but you've mm. met Mark yep. Scott, yep. Uh, officer from England. Yeah, Salvation Army Minister from England, based in um, Mitcham, which is actually really close to my hometown as well. Um, so him and his wife have been um, ministers there for um, some years. They planted the church there, planted didn't they? Planted the church, yeah. 
um, and, and growing this community. And uh, the theme that we're going to be, uh, or that the interview's already done, and the theme uh, of that interview is uh, new monasticism, uh, which is an interesting thing. We, we won't say too much now, uh, partly because Mark's going to introduce the theme to us, but also partly because we don't know that much <laughs> about it. Which is why we got him on. Yeah, which is why we got him on. Um, so he, uh, it's a really, really good listen, um, and uh, he takes us through some of the new monasticism uh, community that they've grown in a part of, some of the practices that they have in place called the way of life. Uh, we'd love to do a part two as well, actually, uh, where uh, either Mark or Emma, um, uh, his wife, can can take us into kind of some of the more specific practices that they've pra- been practicing in their community. Um, but it's a really great introduction into these practices and looking back at these ancient um, methods and practices of church and how they've got a place in the missional movements of mm. the present and the future. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, we, we'd say we don't know much about new monasticism, um, but we're certainly part of a, maybe even a generation that have been exploring mm. more contemplative yeah. forms of Christianity. And we've certainly been, you know, dipping into certain traditions mm. and and uh, and pra- practicing and trying stuff in our mm. context but we've never would have framed it as new monastic no. but much more in the contemplative yeah. side i think that's probably a lot of listeners yeah probably resonate with that yeah I, th- I think so too listening to the interview with mark and um just realizing that we've probably arrived at some of these places and some of these practice without ever really understanding what it was mm. um so that just kind of shows that there's maybe maybe a universal longing to arrive back at some of these practices for the church um so yeah anything anything else about the interview well with hannah uh we didn't hannah. interview mark yeah. we had a we had hannah who's your wife and uh is she? yeah yeah <laughs> she is your wife <laughs> And she did a great job, and it's so good for us to have other voices um, yeah. in the mix on the Venture Twelve podcast. So that was a big win for us, and and I think she did a that was a great interview. Yeah, uh, you could tell she was really engaged and really interested in it. So we yeah. learned a lot just from the questions that she yeah. she asked as well. And so yeah. will everyone else who's listening. So yeah, I think that's the only other thing to say. So that's Hannah. Hannah's going to be doing the interview. Yeah. I really hope you enjoy it. What we will say, a couple of practicalities that we keep forgetting every time is mm. after the interview's done and mm. the Venture 12 music comes in, mm. don't sign off because we, we can see when people are signing off, <laughs> yeah. can't we? We can, yeah. We can, we've got this uh, tool when we put our podcast out that tells us the retention and almost everyone drops off after the interview when the when the music kicks in. But actually, there's another 10 to 15 minute reflection that um, me and my mark me and my Mark, my Mark, me and Mark uh, discuss afterwards, um, and uh, apparently no one ever listens to it. So please stick around. Yeah. Uh, after that, it might be because you, you're fed up with us. But we we what we do is we just we just try and frame it a little bit, um, and we pose some questions that you can use in mm. your friendship groups, your teams, yeah, uh, maybe with a friend, uh, just to help you process what you've heard. Uh, so it's not just content, content, content. Um, yeah. So we really want to kind of move into understanding and application. And mm. I think that's the fruit that we're looking for in general mm. with the Venture 12 podcast, yeah. that it that it begins yeah. shaping how we how we do stuff. Yeah, so um, before we before we 
kind of introduce and, and head out and introduce Hannah and, and Mark, uh, we did say that we were going to do some shout outs for our fans. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Last time we had a super fan Bjorn, didn't we? Yeah. As the uh, shout out. Have we got anyone? Did we get any feedback from the last podcast? Yeah, we got, we did. Uh, I've forgotten the actual specific feedback, but we've got two names that... Was it positive? All positive. Okay. Yeah, actually very positive. Yeah. Um, so that was really good. So Dave Perkis, who's uh, in England. Yeah. Um, he, he loved, particularly loved the female apostolic adventure. Oh, right. So just encourage you, if you've not heard that one, go yeah. to that one. That's a great episode. Yeah. Uh, exploring female leadership in the early church. That's two episodes ago. That's two episodes yeah. ago. I really loved that ep- uh, that episode. Um, Dave is an old friend of mine. Yeah. Um, I won't tell the whole story, but he's got a brother called Dave. And when I first <laughs> met him, he convinced me that... Uh, so they're both called Dave Perkis. He convinced me that it was because his mum and dad didn't have... They loved the name Dave. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a great imagination. So it's they, not true. It's not true. No. <laughs> I won't tell the rest of the story because uh, I'd love to hear what pe- the suggestions that people think why there's two days. Anyway, another guy in Australia called Sean Attard. I don't know him very well, but I met him last week online. Um, and he, I think he listened to the last episode with mm. Dave Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, so we just want to shout Sean out all the way in Australia. Yeah. Uh, global audience, you know. Yeah. So it makes us feel good. Builds the ego up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so well done, boys. For, for shouting us out and for any other oh, feedback right. we've got we did get more positive feedback we've, but uh, we've picked those two out for this time yeah. um, so uh, have a listen to this interview stick around for the reflection Facebook page we've, we, should, we should mention we've got a new Facebook page we've which got you a new can... Facebook page Venture 12 Podcast as simple as that so go and give it a like That then you'll be kept up to date with all the new episodes and any other things that are coming uh, and occasional quotes and conversation starters so uh, go and give that a follow and if there's stuff you'd like us to explore any ideas for interviews you can write to us and get in touch we'd love that yeah absolutely all right well let's uh, move into it now um enjoy this episode with hannah and mark scott Hi everyone and welcome to this episode and this interview. I'm Hannah and I'm part of the Venture 12 team in Helsingborg and I'm very excited to introduce you to our guest today. Welcome Mark Scott. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Um, It's a bit cold in London but I'm guessing not as cold as many of the listeners so I can't complain. No, we, we might share that experience actually at the moment, yeah. Um, you're here today to share with us some thoughts on the theme of new monasticism. Um, but I was thinking before we begin, could you maybe introduce yourself a bit? Say something about who you are, what you do, where you're based? Sure, no problem. Um, so I'm a Salvation Army officer I'm based in South London at the moment. And I'm a minister here with my wife, Emma. And we've got three amazing children who keep us very busy. Um, And we've been here in South London for um, over 10 years now in the same place. Um, We were given a a blank sheet of paper to start a new church when we arrived. And um, that's what we've been doing, building kind of community and relationships with people for the last um, 10, 11 years. Mm, Thank you so much. 
It's really good to get a glimpse of your context before we dive into these things, I think. Um, so let's start. Um, new monasticism might be a new word for people. So maybe we could start with you telling us what it is. Uh, and is there an old monasticism and how do they differ? So right up front, I have to say that I'm not an expert in this. It's something that I've been really interested in for a few years now. Mm. Um, and I have done a little bit of study around it, um, particularly related to our context here in, in South London. Um, but I guess when you talk about monasticism, often the picture that people have is of uh, a religious way of life. Um, people living in a certain way, maybe even withdrawing from um, society and their communities to enable them to devote themselves to um, being able to kind of live a spiritual life, often including uh, extensive elements of prayer and service. Mm. That, that would be true, but some of those old monastic communities were very involved in their communities as well. So some did withdraw while others were very much um, engaged in the communities. Mm. And I guess new monasticism is trying to take the wisdom and the practices of those old monastic communities, but allow them to be applicable to today's society and really trying to engage with um, communities that people live and breathe and work in today. Mm. That's, that's so good. Um, so you mentioned something about um, a, a way of life or kind of living life together. Um, what does that look like in, in the new monasticism? So I think a way of life is, is a tool. Um, often it's called a rule of life in old monastic communities. Mm. And it's a way of structuring engagement with um, your life in the world. Um, and old monastic communities would definitely have had that. You might have heard of the Benedictine rule of life, which is a very famous one. Mm. Um, and many new monastic communities have taken on a similar kind of tool as a way of structuring the way they make decisions, um, the, the way that they share their resources or use their resources um, and how they spend their time. Mm. And so this way of life is just a, a very useful way of being able to write something down that can be a bit of a framework for people that are involved in new monasticism. Um, it sets out some of the expectations, but also some of the ways that, um, and the methodologies that you'll use to kind of engage with communities around you. Mm. So would you say that's something um, you do we, together as a community, you set those kind of uh, practices or? Yes, I mean, that's certainly our experience um, here in Mitcham. Um, we took a good amount of time to explore what a rule of life looked like and we initially called it a rule of life mm. um, and we actually really wrestled with that term because for many people a rule is something that's very rigid and um, can be oppressive mm. um, but we understood um, a rule of life to be um, there's an analogy of it being like a trellis for a plant so um, it's a way of guiding growth um, mm. and it sets a direction for people to go and it supports a plant in being able to grow in that direction. Mm. And then we found that was a really, really helpful analogy for us. So while we wrestled with the, the, the word 
rule we mm. actually decided in the end that we would use it and mm. um, interestingly um through the process we looked at lots of different other rules of life mm. uh, and one of them would have been the Salvation Army Soldiers Covenant as as part of that mm. um, and we explored why we were the community that we were um, what we felt was important and how we were going to spend our time as Christians in the community where we were mm. Um, mm. and I think it was it was a very interesting process to go through together and we wanted to be as involving as of as many opinions as possible. And we really did take some time to explore that together. And what we actually did was we built into our rule of life at that point um, a review every year because we were very aware that if people joined us subsequent to us setting our framework, they wouldn't have been involved in that decision-making process. So by reviewing that every year, then new people would be able to input into that process, um, which would hopefully give them a sense of ownership, but it would also bring a fresh perspective to our thinking as well as new people kind of joined us. Mm. So that was a really, really helpful thing. And then probably a bit to add to the story was, um, and it's quite amusing, really, our way of our rule of life, sorry, at that point, ended up being um, a laminated sheet of paper that a lot of people kind of stuck on their fridges, just happened really? to be the place where people put them. And it was a, a reminder for people every day of what they'd kind of said that they would try and do. Hmm. Um, and we called it a rule of life, thinking that it would just be people who were connected with our community and would understand what that meant. But in effect, what actually happened was, people visiting other people's houses started to ask questions about it and they were like what is this rule you know what mm. what is that that's a very alien concept to people today or uh, has those negative connotations and so in our review we actually changed it to a way of life and that's why I stumbled earlier because we've called it both things yeah and um, a way of life just seems a little bit more um accessible to people who don't know the full picture of what it was I think once it was explained they understood why we we went down the rule of life route mm. but because we realized it was more um, of a tool for outward looking um, and for other people engaging with what we were doing we decided it was important to change it to a way of life yeah oh thank you so much that's so helpful to think think of it as a support for the plant and also to create ownership I think that's so vital you also mentioned something about um the a prayer life or a contemplative life could you just say something short about that what what's the difference between just a, a regular prayer life and the new monastic prayer life so I, I think um monastics generally are very intentional about their prayer lives so um old monastic communities would have certain times of the day where they would pray um, and that would be part of their rhythm of their day. Um, and we've just tried to put some of that into our modern day life. And we've done that in several different ways. And it's changed over time as people's lives have changed. Mm -hmm. um, one simple way was to have an alarm on our phones at 12 o'clock each day that would just buzz in our pocket. And we, wherever we were, would just try and pray at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and the great thing was we did it in community. So even though we were dispersed wherever we were during the day, we knew that those people were all praying together and being intentional about prayer at that point. Mm. Uh, since we've been in lockdown, we've instigated um, weekly tea time Zoom prayers on a Monday. 
and that's been a really helpful thing it's been a connection point for people to see each other and to share prayers um, and we follow a, a liturgy um, that's been set out by some people that we've worked with in the past. Mm. Uh, and that's just a, a helpful way of being intentional about prayer. So yeah. um, the other part of the contemplative bit, I would say, is trying to build in retreat time and um, time on our own, which is very difficult for because a lot of us have young families. But actually being intentional again about making space to um, to listen to God and to really kind of devote time to, to being with him. Mm. Thank you so much. Um, I'm thinking a little bit, sometimes you, I've heard that the emerging church is the future ancient church. Um, do you think that the church is finding its way back to these old practices and the things that you're talking about? I certainly do. I, I think we're rediscovering ancient wisdom. That's one way that it's been put in the past and then trying to reapply it to contemporary life. And I mean, church has been around for thousands of years, literally thousands of years. And along the way, some practices have survived, some have been lost, some have had peaks and troughs of being popular and not popular. But I think now we are in such a diverse society that we realize that for different people, they'll be able to connect in different ways. Mm. And I think for a great number of people going deeper and really seeking wisdom um, is something that they're seeking. Mm. And um, without sounding judgmental, I think some uh, more modern forms of church have become a little bit surface Mm. and have missed out on the wealth of that um, ancient knowledge and mm. I think we're just rediscovering it and trying to reapply it so the more contemplative prayer was something that I didn't grow up with mm. having grown up in a Christian family it just wasn't part of our practice it's always been there but it wasn't something that we really connected to however having discovered that as an adult it's something I really appreciate and something that I now really try to put into my my um, spiritual journey mm. because I feel important mm. yeah yeah I agree do you think there is a um do you think we can rest in these practices and in these kind of ancient traditions um, thinking about the almost the feeling of being tired sometimes of church. Definitely. Um, I think with the um, increased understanding of mental well-being and mental health, um, people are, are kind of realizing that the pace of life isn't always very helpful. And I've already mentioned that kind of retreat space. Mm. But I do think that people taking time out and learning to be still yeah. is something that's been emerging over the last few years and I've been part of a very active denomination all of my life um, and that's great and that's important and, and I'm not just kind of knocking that at all but there's also space for being still and being mm. and not acting all the time and mm. I think we're starting to understand a bit more of that again uh, one of the parts of our way of life is that we commit to taking regular time off and experiencing God in other places so the way that we do that is when there's a fifth Sunday in a month um, we I mean ironically we call it a Sabbath Sunday but um, obviously every Sunday is a Sabbath <laughs> um, but in our in our kind of language what that means is we won't meet corporately but we'll spend time going and seeking God in other places that may be 
going out into nature and experiencing that it might be visiting another church community and experiencing their worship it might be going and spending time with family that you just haven't seen for a long time Mm. and investing in those relationships and seeing god as part of that so i do think that um pattern of life is something that we're very aware of and rest is definitely part of that making sure that we can recuperate and recharge and and be ready to engage again once we've kind of had that that period of rest Mm. I think what you're saying is so important and I think it will speak to a lot of people listening Um, and I'm thinking about the people listening as well many are part of different mission contexts or pioneering settings do you think that new monasticism can have a, a space or a place in those settings I definitely think so. I mean, that's what we're doing. I don't know that we'd call ourselves a new monastic community here, but we definitely use elements of new monasticism in what we do. Mm. Um, And obviously the the way of life is a big part of that and contemplative prayer and um, Sabbath space. Mm. Uh, I, I think one of the important elements is also that there's a real sense of understanding um, ecology and our connection to earth and the created world. And I think for uh, society today, that's, that is a really important issue. Um, and obviously, you know, we've seen the work of um, Greta in the last few years and yeah. um, the raise, raising kind of importance of environmental issues and the changes that we're having. Um, but when we understand that through the world being a created place mm. um, and kind of under wrestle with some of the issues around consumerism and materialism and those kind of things i think they're really powerful connections not only with new monasticism and monasticism ancient monasticism but also with society that we live in and they just give really good kind of conversation points and um, starter places to have those discussions and explore together Mm, exactly and I'm, I'm also thinking about the, the 12 marks or the 12 kind of, um, yeah, the 12 marks in new monasticism, some of them being uh, hospitality to the stranger, caring for the poor, um, relocate to abandoned places. All those things awake something in me anyway, so like the missional heart for this, for this world. Definitely. Do you agree with that? I, I do. Um, I mean, just to set the context, I guess, for people that are listening, so new monasticism is one of those things that's sort of evolved and appeared and it's not there's no real date as to exactly when it started i think god gave the idea to lots of people at once in different places Mm. um but one of the key dates was this conference in 2004 where people that were seeking to live in this way came together um so it was old monastic communities and new monastic communities and they put this document together called the, the 12 marks of new monasticism and they set out kind of what their values were and how they would be intentional in um, interacting with the communities where they lived mm. and you've, you've mentioned several of those um, there is this movement towards um, marginal spaces and um, maybe that's countercultural. Um, I think there has been some elements of the church where they've moved to places where people are, mm. uh, where the majority of people are and have set kind of churches up there. 
But what that's meant is that there are forgotten places. There are places on the margins where people do exist, but there hasn't been the investment maybe economically, but also in terms of churches and spiritual kind of communities as well. Mm. So there was an intention to go to those places to seek out what was God was doing there. Um, and part of that would be generally that the people left behind were of a poorer kind of um, existence as well. Mm. Uh, and so engaging with the people that were there um, Mm. And I think that's so important because obviously the message of the gospel is for everybody. Um, and if people aren't going to those places with that message and, and sharing God's love with everybody, then there's going to be groups of people that are missing out. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> and I mean, what if God is awakening something in his church of just reminding us of those places and those people? Um, it's beautiful, I think. Definitely. And we've got so much to learn from people who've lived in these places. So, mm. uh, I mean, where we are is the less desirable part of our area, if you like. Mm. Um, but we've learned so much. And I think probably we've learned more from people by living with people here than they've learned from us. And I think that's a really humbling experience. Um, and, and hopefully they've learned something of God through us being here and being present. Um, and that idea of presence is something that's always been in monasticism, um, but is, is a really important thing. And, and choosing to be somewhere where most people choose not to be is a very powerful message. Hmm. So we have a story of when we first moved here, our neighbours speaking to us. And because of the social demographic that we are, and that it was different to the people that we, we were living with as our neighbours, the first question they asked us was, when are you moving out? Mm. Even though we'd just arrived. Was um, that their experience then? It was totally their experience. Yeah. People of, of our demographic um, used our um, location as a stepping stone to get to somewhere else. Um, and their experience was always that people moved in because the housing was cheaper, because... Um, jobs were easier to get hold of potentially um, but as a way of accessing um, the way to improve yourself and move up the social ladder and move somewhere else once you'd earned some money mm. and to turn around to people and say no we've chosen to be here and we want to be here and we see the beauty of God in this place mm. um, was just an amazing place to start a conversation mm. wow it's so good um I'm thinking I could talk for ages about this bit, but I'm going to try to move on here. Um, you have mentioned that it, the new monastic communities, they often um, are based on a lot of ownership or you, you live life together. So I'm wondering what does leadership look like in that context? Is there a place for leadership? I, I definitely think there's a place for leadership. I think... Um there'll always be a need for leadership. How that looks can be different in different places. I think new monastic communities try to be as contextual as possible. So they, when they're in their environment, they're looking at the issues and trying to work out what is applicable to where they are. Um, however, I think it's very much a shared leadership model. So sometimes that that's talked about as being a flat leadership model rather than a hierarchical leadership model. Um, 
And so what that means is there may be multiple leaders. I think there generally are designated leaders because there's the day-to-day tasks that need to happen and somebody probably needs to be nominated to do that. Mm. I think the interesting thing is, though, so our practice is to meet and gather around a table. It just happens to be kind of a, an oval table because we think there's some um, importance in kind of everybody being equal in that. Um, and my hope would be that if somebody who didn't know us walked into the room, they wouldn't quite know who the leader was to start with, um, because we were all displaying um, elements of leadership in that room mm. and we were sharing that together. And I think what that also does is it means that because the responsibility is shared, it tends to be a little more outward looking. Mm. Um, and that hopefully that means um, that we don't get caught up with just being about the people around that table. Actually, it's about us making sure that we still do engage with people around us. And I think if you have a more hierarchical leadership structure, the decisions tend to um, fall upon the few rather than it being upon the many. Mm. And we try to make as many decisions as possible in a consultative manner with as, with the people that are around the table. Mm. And what's been your learning through doing that? Uh, it's been interesting because as a nominated leader, I mean, we were, as Salvation Army officers, appointed to the area where we were, mm. um, but we were able to choose where we lived. That's important to say because that's part of our story. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as a leader, you have to lead in a different way. Um, ultimately, the decisions do um fall with Emma and I but we choose to lead in a different way we choose to involve as many people as possible in those decision making processes that means it takes longer sometimes Um, it means that there will need to be a working through of issues because not everybody will feel the same way but I do think that if you can get to that view at the end where people are comfortable with it and have journeyed with you and have discussed things together, that's a stronger position to move forward with than an imposed decision by um, the few onto the many. Mm. As people that are there, hopefully they feel that they're involved in, in the decision making process as well and that they have that ownership um, and that it isn't just about uh, Mark and Emma as nominated leaders, but it's about a shared leadership amongst all of us who are gathered there together. Mm. Mm. Thank you so much. I'm thinking, if, what could be the next steps for someone listening to this and wanting to explore it further? What What would you read? What would you recommend? There's quite a lot of material that's out there now. So, um, People that have inspired me would be uh, Shane Claiborne, um, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, uh, Phyllis Tickle, mm. um, Ian Adams, and um, somebody who's been based in London is Ian Mobsby. Uh, these people obviously write things, but you can search them on the internet and find YouTube videos or a whole host of things. In fact, Emma's just been to an online course with Ian Mobsby in the last month or so and several Salvation Army pioneers in London were part of that which was great mm. because it means now there's a, a shared conversation amongst us about some of these things mm. um, I think you could go and experience it so if you know of somewhere part of the monastic tradition is to welcome guests and to provide hospitality so I'm sure 
with permission, you would be able to go along and experience it. And being in that place is much better than reading it through a book or viewing yeah. it on a video. So um, obviously that's difficult at the moment, but as time moves forward, hopefully you might want to actually go and spend some time with some of these people, go and sit and ask questions. They'll be delighted to, to share their journey with you and to have those conversations. Mm. Mm, that's really good. Um, I think our time has come to an end. I would love to speak more with you. It's been, um, it's been so good. And I think we all have learned a lot. Is there anything you want to add? Is there something I forgot to ask you about that is like a gem? No, I, don't, I mean, I, I think hospitality is just something that's been really key to us here and providing spaces for that. Um, we don't have a lot of public spaces where we live. So we've used our home as a way of being able to connect with people mm. and um, sharing life has become really, really important. Sharing life means that there are tough things that we share together, but we try and celebrate together as much as possible as well. Mm. And um, it's definitely a mutual process. So as you've mentioned there, you know, I've, I've learned for being part of this process with you this morning it's been helpful for me hopefully it has been for people that are listening as well and it's always that two-way process mm. of understanding that together we can learn and journey together and um that no one person has all the answers it's about working together and experiencing life together mm. that's a great way to end thank you so much mark uh, and we pray blessings over you and emma and your community Take care. Thank you. You too. Been great to spend time with you. God bless. Bye. Bye. Well, welcome back to our reflection of uh, that podcast with Hannah and Mark Scott. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I was just really grateful to Mark uh, for opening that door to us um, and it kind of sharing his experience of some of these new monastic practices. Felt really safe with him through the interview. Uh, I thought that he explained it really, really well and kind of took us on on the journey uh, a little bit. And I'd just love to dig deeper into kind of their context and and how it sort how it looked in practice, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've already said we don't know a great deal about new monasticism, mm-hmm. um, but I think off the back of this, it's certainly given us a little bit of a framework. Yeah, um, and I mean, we said it in the introduction, didn't we? Um, and we'd obviously already listened to the interview at that point, but we we will do a, a part two at some point. And uh, like I said, it would be just maybe asking them to present their way of life and telling us how that looked in practice and how it was created and mm. and all those kind of things, um, just to kind of inspire us more with some creativity. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I've got here, I, I looked to this up earlier, I've got the 12 marks of new monasticism. Mm. Uh, shall I read them out? Um, yeah, go on then. Okay, here we go. So, so I think this is quite helpful just to, so everyone's on the same hymn sheet. Mm. Uh, so the first one is relocation to abandoned places of empire. Mm. Sharing economic resources with fellow community members and the needy among us. Uh, hospitality to the stranger. Lament for racial divisions within the church and our communities, combined with the active pursuit of a just reconciliation. 
humble submission to Christ's body, the church. Uh, number six, intentional formation in the way of Christ and the rule of uh, the community. Um, number seven, nurturing common life among members of, in, of intentional community. Support for celibate singles alongside monogamous, how do you say that, married couples and their children. Uh, number nine, geographical proximity to community members who share a common rule of life. Uh, number 10, care for the plot of God's earth given to us along with support of our local economies. Peacemaking in the midst of violence and conflict resolution within communities along the lines of Matthew 18. And number 12, commitment to a disciplined contemplative life. Wow. I mean, I would sign up Yeah. to a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, you made a really good point when we were talking just before, um, just in reflection, just about how um, you, you can take it further, but just how... If you were to think of the word monasticism, it's really, really easy to think something segregated, people locking themselves away. Um, but yeah, what what was your point on that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think "new" is quite a good word because a lot of us are coming at it like you know with this preconceived idea. Yeah. It feels very new, but it's very ancient. But many of us have this mental picture that it is a removal from our our busyness, the removal from our broken world or stressful world or fractured world. Um, but actually, when you read these 12 marks and actually listening to marks, what he was saying, it's actually uh, a diving into it mm. um, and uh, restoring those kind of words like re- resurrecting yeah. like abandoned places, restoring yeah. broken things, yeah. entering into places that perhaps we would mm. we would want to want to escape, which is kind of like a flip. Uh, but I think the contemplative element is is the interesting one. So it's a contemplative posture in the midst of like uh, life, yeah. in the midst of uh, yeah. And it, it, it was just a really good point that instead of removal, it's about jumping in, isn't it? It's about being in community uh, rather than being secluded and isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was probably the thing that struck me the most. Um, um, this might say something about my personality as well or my upbringing, but just the hospitality. Um, it just seems like a really alien culture um, within the church. Um, but it was just uh, really special how Mark was talking about hospitality. And when we were reading and doing a little bit of research before this as well, there's just a really striking sentence in a, in a common prayer book we've got, which is a new monastic um, common prayer book and it, it was just said this or something like this that if every Christian home was open to those in need then there would be an end to poverty and hunger and I mean that should be the role and the practice of what the church is doing mm. if every Christian home it's not, it doesn't seem like too much mm. to ask yeah but we I guess we don't do that because we don't intuitively live like that no we need like some kind of intentional. I mean, he talked about a trellis, yeah, or a, a frame, yeah, an accountability. Mm. So we don't intuitively, instinctively, and maybe that's a, a you know, I, I, I don't know how to describe that, but that's something that comes, as you say, alien. Mm. It's just not. There is hospitality in churches, but we don't live to that extreme, that, no. that radical extreme. Yeah. And I know there's a conversation there's uh, around all that why and all this sort of stuff, but. Yeah. But it does feel far removed. Yeah. yeah. And um, 
I think that's something as well that you've just touched on there, just about how we, the, the the individuality of, uh, and Mark referred to their way of life, mm. rule of life became way of life. Mm. Uh, and just understanding there when you were talking about accountability, that we've all kind of got our individual way of life, mm. whether it's unspoken, unwritten, or whether it's something you're you're aware of. We've all got a way of life, but there's a lack of accountability mm. if it's our own individual way of life, mm. because we can break it, we can change it, we can make it about us. Uh, it doesn't need to be any sacrifice. But in a communal way of life, mm. that um, means something different, doesn't it? Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I, yeah, I think for me, what just reflecting, you know, one of the things that I think is so current for our time as well, and uh, even as it's a mark of one of the new monastic uh, new monastic marks, is that different relationship to the world, the earth, the environment. And Mark talked about it. I mean, you know, yeah. sort of theology of ecology, mm. um, and you know, uh, we're we're massively catching up around these kind of things. You know, not least because the world's in trouble. Yeah. Uh, it's tired. It's broken. It's been misused. It's not been stewarded well, um, and and you know much of our theology has been concentrated really on heaven, yeah, rather than on on concern for the earth. And, mm. and so, like, yeah, I, I think that's really important. It feels like the new monastic movement's got a lot to offer us and to teach us mm. uh, how we how we uh, have the appropriate relationship as stewards. Yeah. Of, of the earth for this time and, and uh, I mean people looking in from the outside towards Christianity mm. uh, that's that's one of the biggest questions isn't it you know absolutely so yeah and I mean it's, it's a difficult question as well isn't it because I mean you might be listening and thinking well how can I have an impact on that how can I help the world or can it yeah I mean it's it's it's, it's good to see creative ways that this is being done and so one tip uh, if you've got an Instagram account, then go and follow Shane Claiborne because um, mm. he he kind. Of, I guess it's two of the marks that he's talking about here. He's focusing on the ecology question, the environment, but also on the there was one about peace, right? Mm. Pe- creating peace amongst the violence, and mm. uh, he's got this project at the moment in his community where he asks people to come and leave their weapons, mm. um, and uh, he runs a project or is part of a project that then. Uh, transforms them into garden tools so it's just a really clear mark of how this can be something that takes something meant for violence reconcile it to something made for peace and use it to serve the earth mm. and it's just a really great inspiring creative way mm. um, that, that Shane Claiborne is involved in that mm. so go and check him out on Instagram yeah that's nah, good I mean it's just the last thing I'll say is um, just you know a lot of the world's looking in not just what Christians believe but how we live mm. more than ever you know, they're wondering why we're not speaking out or why we're not, you know, leaning into issues of social justice. Yeah. You know, where's the church? Where are Christians? You know, called to be salt and light, all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, I was reading like the, about the early church and um, it really was, you know, I put a quote on our Instagram um, from Bishop Cyprian uh, who said, you know, we don't talk big ideas. We live big ideas, mm. and and it just feels very much like this new monastic movement is reconnecting us to, to the heart of Christianity, which is to live, in a big way. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, I think that's that, that's that's hopefully this has been something really helpful for for you to listen to. And what we would like you to do, if you've got the time, and uh, maybe with your friendship group, leadership team, or 
whoever is just to think about what was exciting for you what was challenging for you um what was uncomfortable for you if anything uh what does it mean what does this mean for you in your context what might your next steps be as a leader as a community as a on a personal level but ultimately this is really about what does it look like communally um and so so it'd be great for you to kind of like flesh some of that out together yeah Uh, and i'm sure uh you'll have more once we do the part two of this yep. uh, to build that conversation forward. Absolutely. Well, let's bring it to a close. Um, what's the next uh, step for Venture 12? What's our next show? Well, the next show is uh, we've, we've, got, uh, we've done the interview actually with Alan Hirsch. He's a missiologist, uh, author. Um, yeah, I mean, he's uh, written many books that have been crucial to movement and to the nature of church Uh, and this next podcast is going to be called uh, movements that uh, look smell and sound like jesus cool so re-jesus in the whole thing cool sounds great that's exciting uh thanks for listening today thank you mark scott for introducing us to new monasticism we're looking forward to part two uh take care and we'll see you next time